This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 231. So in today's episode, I want to talk about the biggest photography bad habits that you really need to break. Now, these are suggestions by myself and other pro photographers out there. You don't have to be a pro, even if you're an amateur or a serious hobbyist. These are all items that can apply to you. And I'm not doing this episode to pick on anybody or anything like that. I'm doing them as a way of trying to help all of you break these really, really bad habits that a lot of photographers have. And I've been guilty of some of them when I first started out as well. So again, I'm not picking on you, just trying to share some advice. The first one is chimping. What exactly is chimping? You've probably heard the phrase, but maybe you don't know exactly what it is. Well, chimping is the bad habit of taking a shot and then immediately looking at the rear LCD to see how the image turned out. Now, on a lot of cameras, maybe even all of them, I can't say that 100% for certain because I haven't checked absolutely every camera on the market. But by default, most camera manufacturers have a feature turned on called image preview or image review. And it'll be turned on by default. And every time you take a shot, it will automatically play back the shot for a couple of seconds on the rear LCD or maybe even in the electronic viewfinder if you have a mirrorless camera. Now, this is an extremely bad habit, and I always recommend turning the image review preview off immediately when you're setting up your camera. And the reason why it's a bad habit is because it wastes time when you're out shooting. You end up missing other shots because life goes on, and so does whatever you're shooting. Now, how do you break this habit? Well, understand your gear and how to set up your composition. And also pay closer attention when you are looking through the viewfinder. Now, since we do have mirrorless cameras, the new EVF or electronic viewfinder gives you exactly what you see when you look through it. So if you're looking through your electronic viewfinder and you make adjustments to your aperture, shutter speed, or ISO, you see those results translated in real time. So why do you need to chimp? If your electronic viewfinder is already showing you the exact exposure, when you push the shutter button, nothing changes. But people seem to do this compulsively, as if the world will end, if the earth will explode, if they don't check their shot immediately in the rear LCD. But believe me, that's not going to happen. Number two, I don't need a tripod. To an extent, yes, you do. Even the best photographers in the world do not have perfectly steady hands. It's a fact of life. Even if you lift weights every day at the gym, 
and work like Sylvester Stallone. Your hands will never be perfectly steady. If you want to shoot in low light or do long exposure photography, you absolutely need a tripod. Now, when considering a tripod, you need one that is solid and steady that can handle the payload. This is a matter of getting a really high quality tripod with a quality tripod head. Your tripod doesn't need to break the bank. There are plenty of companies that make excellent, strong, sturdy tripods for as low as $150 to $200. Now, there are tripod heads that are better quality than others. I personally recommend for the tripod the KNF Concept TC2534. It is a 66-inch carbon fiber tripod, and I believe if I remember right, it's 10X carbon fiber, which is the strongest on the market right now. And it's super lightweight. It costs $169 on Amazon, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Now, the other nice thing about this particular tripod is that it comes with a very strong and durable ball head with the Arca Swiss quick mount plate system. And this entire tripod and head comp ball head combination can handle 22 pounds of weight. So remember, getting a tripod and head combo, you have to be absolutely certain that it can handle your heaviest lens along with your camera body. Now, if you're not certain what your combination weighs, Look up your camera body and then the lens specs on the manufacturer's website or go to someplace like bnh.com and look it up there. I always recommend that you make sure your tripod and ball head, I prefer ball heads, combination can handle more than your heaviest lens body setup. So let's say, for example, your body and lens weigh a total of 12 pounds. Now, I know that sounds like 12 pounds, big deal. Well, let's look at it this way. The average camera body, not all of them, but the average weighs about 1.3 to 1.5 pounds. And when you get into the bigger telephoto lenses, you could be sometimes looking at six, seven, eight, nine pounds. Okay, so get the information from the manufacturer's website, what that lens weighs, what your body weighs, Add that up, and then you know what your maximum payload is. That's why I always recommend when you're buying a a tripod and head combination, base its payload, what you need, on your biggest and heaviest lens. It might not be a telephoto. Maybe your heaviest lens, if you're shooting Canon R-Series, is the 50-millimeter F1.2. That's an extremely heavy lens. It's not super big. It's just heavy. (laughs) So make sure it can handle it. The combination that I gave you of that KNF Concepts carbon fiber tripod with its with its own ball head can handle a maximum of 22 pounds of weight. So if your body and, and heaviest lens weigh 12 pounds, you're good to go. I always recommend making sure that your tripod and head combination can handle more than your heaviest lens with your body combo. That way you've got wiggle room. You've got a little extra peace of mind. Now, you don't have to spend tons of money 
on a tripod. And you definitely don't want to skimp and buy a cheap tripod because that's going to lead to disaster. After you don't want to spend the money on a carbon fiber tripod, then buy an aluminum one. But keep in mind, an aluminum tripod will be heavier. And when you're out there lugging it around all day, it's definitely going to take a toll on your body a heck of a lot sooner. Now, the third bad habit that you need to break is not charging your camera batteries. This is an extremely bad habit. And I've been out shooting with groups of photographers a few different times and had someone in the group not able to enjoy the photo walk because they forgot to charge the batteries before leaving for the day of shooting. A really good way to avoid this, in addition to charging your batteries the night before, you're going before you're going to go out on a shoot, is go to someplace like Best Buy or, or even go on Amazon and get yourself a small power inverter so that you can easily charge your batteries in the car. The inverter plugs into your 12-volt accessory port and gives you one or more 110-volt house-style outlets to use. Now, another possibility is many of the third-party battery makers offer a, say, two-in-one battery combo kit where you get two of their batteries plus a charger. And a lot of times, those third-party ones will have an included USB cable, so you can use that to charge it in the car, which is extremely convenient. So it'll be a dual-purpose charger. But if not, pick up a power inverter. They're always handy to have because you never know when you might end up in any kind of situation where you need to have access to 110 volts when you're out in the field. So if you can get that power using a power power inverter it from your car, then man, you're good to go. They're a handy little thing to have. I recommend them to everybody. And you can pick a nice one up, a decent one for fairly low cost. There's plenty of nice ones out there that you can get for $50, $60. Again, you don't have to break the bank. Now, the fourth bad habit that you need to break, your memory cards not being empty and ready to go. Now, this is another thing I've seen numerous times when out shooting with a group of photographers. Somebody in the group forgets to empty their memory cards from the last time they were out shooting. So what I recommend is every time you finish a shoot and return home or go back to your studio, you should copy all of your images off your memory card and onto a hard drive. Now, I also recommend using the one, two, three backup method for all of your images. Copy all of them to an external drive that you keep connected to your main editing computer. Then make a second copy of all of them onto another external drive that you disconnect and store off-site at a friend or family member's house. And then third, copy them over to a cloud backup system. I recommend somebody like Backblaze, as they only charge like $60 a year, I believe it is, and they give you unlimited storage. Their app runs seamlessly in the background, making the backups quick and easy. And once you have your images copied off the memory card, you can delete them from the memory card and empty the trash before you eject the card. 
Now, some people say you should format your card every time, but I don't agree with that. As someone who's worked in IT as well as photography for over 30 years, I just delete the images on the card and then empty the trash, and then I eject the card. And I do this because I have multiple cameras, and I like to name each memory card after the camera model so I know what is what when I shoot with more than one body. And in the case of my Fujifilm X-T4s, they're a dual memory card setup, dual memory card flagship body. So I name the memory cards based on their slot as well. So for an example, memory card one will be X-T4 underscore one. Now the X-T, I put X underscore T4 and then underscore one and then underscore two for the second one, and so on and so forth. I just like that. That's the way I do things. You don't have to do it the way I do. It just makes things a heck of a lot more convenient. Okay, so the fifth bad habit that you need to break is forgetting to clean your camera. Now, this is something many shooters tend to forget on a regular basis. You need to clean that camera. So let's say you're out shooting all day in the elements, especially if you live in a coastal area. Shooting on the beach might mean your gear is getting sprayed by salt water. Also, remember there's dirt and dust outside. When you're out there shooting all day, your camera gets exposed to all of this. Now, I recommend getting some microfiber towels as they're inexpensive and they're convenient to keep in your camera bag or in your car. I keep them in both locations. And you can get packs of them at places like Amazon or Harbor Freight. And they only run like $7 for a bag of them. And you get usually 10 or 12 of them in a bag. So when you get back from shooting all day out in the elements, wipe your camera and lens down. Give them a good rub down so that they stay clean and fully functioning. Few things suck more than getting dirt underneath your zoom or focus rings. And then over time, it starts making a nasty crunching sound when you're turning them. Oh, that's not good. Or it stops working altogether. If your camera's sensor gets dirty, clean it with a good sensor cleaning kit. Or if you're not comfortable doing that, take it to a local camera shop or send it back to your manufacturer's local repair center and have them clean it for you. Now, if you're a member of your camera maker's professional services and you happen to be at some place like Imaging USA, WPPI, something like that, they will usually have a professional services booth there where you can stop by and they'll clean your camera and sensor free of charge. I've taken advantage of that. I, for many years, had the Canon CPS professional services. Nikon has Nikon professional services, Fuji, and so on and so forth. Now, with Canon, the one thing I liked about them is their basic professional services was free, the silver level. And all you had to do is go to the CPS website, register, put in your profile information, and then you basically log all of the equipment you have all the camera bodies, old lenses, you put in the serial numbers, all that good stuff. It helps with the registration for your warranties. 
And you earn so many points for each piece of gear. And then once you get up to a certain number of points, you can upgrade your CPS membership level. You can go from silver to gold and then gold to platinum. But when you get to gold, it's $100 a year uh, as a membership fee. And then platinum was, I think, $300 a year. Now, Fuji does things a little bit differently. They only offer one level of their professional services, and it's like 400 bucks a year. So I, I've been staying away from it. It sucks because you do get some cool perks in addition to getting a, a free camera and sensor cleaning. If you're out at a photography-related event like WPPI or Imaging USA, if for some reason your camera needs to be repaired, you generally get a discount on the repair, maybe 10 or 20% off. You can get expedited turnaround service where when you send your camera in for repair or cleaning, they will get it back to you faster than they would just some regular guy off the street that doesn't have the professional services. So there's some, there's some little perks there. Now, another thing I recommend for keeping your camera clean and if your camera gets wet, even if it's weather sealed, there still could be moisture problems. You could also still have moisture problems with the change of the seasons. You know, if you're running it back and forth between an air-conditioned car or building and outdoor in the summer heat, or vice versa in the wintertime, if you're out shooting and then your camera's going from the cold outdoors to the warm interior of your car, it can build up condensations. So I recommend... If your camera does get moisture, it, it more than just the exterior stuff that you could wipe off, you know, you start seeing condensation building up in your viewfinder or something like that. I recommend putting your camera body and lens or the whole combo in a large Ziploc bag and throw one or two silica gel packs in there or desiccants as some people call them. You can find them on Amazon for about $7 for a big bag of them. And the nice thing is it will not only absorb all of the moisture from your camera and lens or both, but they're reusable. It's not like you use it once and you throw it away. So one $7 bag of those silica gel packs can last you for years and years. So they're extremely convenient to have. All right, I'm going to take a brief break right here and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so number six in the bad habits list that you need to break is not checking your camera settings. Now, this is another area where many of us forget. Check your setting settings each time you take your camera out for a shoot. If you were out shooting landscapes or maybe at a botanical garden on a bright, sunny afternoon, those settings will not work if next time you go out, you're shooting a wedding indoors with poor lighting. Maybe like me, you like to use the exposure compensation dial or settings that your camera offers. And you might forget to 
quote, zero it back out before your next shoot. That can really mess up your next photo shoot. So keep an eye on those settings. Just something to keep in mind. Now, what I recommend is if your camera has it, and many of them do, they have a custom settings menu. If you look on the ASMP dial on the top of your camera, you may see a C1, C2, maybe even a C3. Those are slots where you can custom program a configuration for your camera. Now, what I mean by that is if you go into your camera's custom menu settings, like on the Canons, and you can also do this on the Fujis, but they don't use the C1, C2, C3 on the on the uh, ASMP dial. Uh, they use it, they do it through the menu system. So you can set up a quick menu shortcut for it. But you can go in and set an ISO setting, aperture setting that you want to use, shutter speed, all of that stuff. And then you can save it to that custom setting slot. And the nice thing on the Fujis, even though theirs is all menu-driven, the cool thing about it is because it's menu-driven, they let you name the custom setting configurations. So you can set up, you can do one setup of settings, ISO, aperture, shutter speed, yada, yada, yada. And then you can save it with a name like Outdoors so that you can quickly and easily switch to that the next time you're out shooting in bright, sunny weather. And then you can have another one that has not, not every set of settings is going to be perfect for every situation, but you could have another set of settings configured for indoor shooting and poor lighting with a totally different set of values for the ISO shutter speed and aperture. So keep that in mind. That's a good way to make things quick and easy on yourself. But remember, every time you're done shooting, try to set your camera back to a generic or quote default settings set, configuration set, if you will. All right, enough about that. All right, number seven, underestimating your travel time. Are you going out for a location or a wedding shoot? If you are, make absolutely certain you correctly calculate your travel time. There's nothing worse than showing up for a paid gig late as you're going to anger your client and then you're going to throw off the flow of the entire shoot if you're scrambling to catch up. If the place you are shooting is an hour away, I recommend leaving at least an hour and a half before the scheduled shoot time, maybe two hours. This also allows you to capture any opportune shots that you might come across while you're driving and will help by giving you time to set up your lighting and everything else. You can Survey the location where you're going to be doing the shoot, get an idea of the lay of the land, so to speak, and you'll be more, you'll be ready. You'll be ready for most anything that's going to come up as far as shooting situations. Now, if I'm traveling to a shoot where I need to use lighting, I, like I said, I like to leave at least two hours early so that I have more than enough time to set the lighting up once I get to the destination, the on-site location, you know, whether it's a church or I don't shoot a lot of weddings. I've talked about that hundreds of times before. I've done a few of them for families, family members and friends, but I don't do them on a regular basis. So for me, it's going to be more of, am I doing a location shoot or, well, landscapes, of course, that's always a pretty much always a uh, location shoot, but maybe you're going out and doing an environmental portrait or something like that. Make sure you leave 
with enough travel time. Give yourself enough time to get there on time, not anger your client, and not have to worry about rushing to, quote, get caught up. Okay, number eight is not protecting your gear properly. Now, this one's a twofold topic because we need to not only pay attention to our gear when we're out on a shoot, but you need to make sure you don't make yourself a potential victim since thieves are always looking for an easy, quote, mark to rob. Be aware of your surroundings at all times. And I recommend something like the Spider Pro holster system to keep your cameras safely locked on your hip when you're not shooting with it, especially if you're using multiple bodies. Now, also make sure that you have photography insurance, including not only business and general liability insurance, but also gear coverage in case something does happen, in case somebody does steal your gear, or you're on a shoot on location and a piece of gear gets damaged. Now, I use and recommend his Cox for the insurance aspect because they offer very affordable coverage for everything related to your business, general liability and gear as well. So they're a good company to look into. All right, number nine, getting caught up in the moment. Now, this, although this one is more of a skill than a habit, it's something you need to learn. You gotta make sure you don't get caught up in the moment when you're shooting something like an event or a wedding especially. You need to be able to separate yourself from what is happening in front of your lens and just concentrate on capturing the moments instead of using the spray and pray technique. Unless you're shooting some sort of sports, your camera should never be on burst or continuous shooting mode. Keep yourself separated from what's going on and you're going to get better results, especially if it's for a paid client. So that's definitely something you always want to keep in mind. All right, now wrapping this up, number 10, being afraid to delete images. And I know a lot of us are guilty of this. After a shoot, you go back to your home or your studio, make sure you cull your images properly. Now what this means is go through all of the images and mark the ones that are keepers or as Jared Poland would say, the best of the best with honors. Once you've marked your images, delete the ones that don't make the cut. Now, if you're new to photography, you could keep some of the less desirable ones until you improve your editing skills, but don't keep absolutely everything, especially if you're out on a shoot and you shoot thousands of frames. Just don't think that when you shoot and you have thousands of images, you are burning a uh, you realize you got to burn it. You're burning up disk space. And although hard drives are reasonably inexpensive these days, it's still no reason to keep absolutely everything and just completely waste space on your memory cards or your hard drives. Learn to cull your images. The ones that are definitely never going to be keepers, get rid of them. Clean them off your hard drives, your memory cards. Just get rid of all of them that are not making the cut. Keep only your best images. And like I said, I usually recommend three tiers of images. The best of the best, ones that could potentially be a more of a best image with some proper editing, 
And maybe you don't have those editing skills yet. You don't need to get rid of those ones right now. But the ones that are definitely not keepers, get rid of them. You know, if you took a shot and the person's face is blurry, the focus is way off, get rid of those. Why hold on to them? There's nothing that's going to make those images keeper images if they're that far out of whack, so to speak. So just get rid of them. Don't hold on to everything forever. You're just going to burn up a lot of storage space and create a lot of extra stress for yourself. Keep things as streamlined as you possibly can. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 231 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, to remember to check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. Hit that little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos release. And I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.